What's your opinions on Driver's License? That song, it's pretty good. Uh, I haven't listened to it. I'll do it solid. Um, I like I've probably heard all of it, but like I haven't. It. I don't know. That's weird to me. You gotta know the backstory too. There's a whole like five part. Right. Well, I don't care about the backstory. Oh come on. Uh, so that's my point of view on it. It just that's feels depressing. weird. Like. It's I don't a have weird. that. I don't, I don't have that experience, so I don't. You know, I don't know. I know where she's coming from, but uh, <laughs> kind of just weird that she drives past his house all the time. That's a little weird, and <laughs> it's weird that somebody just like outright mentions like I'm driving through the suburbs, <laughs> because like usually it's a tough thing. It's like I'm driving through the streets. You know, you know me. And then right. she's just like I'm driving through the suburbs because I can relate to that. I was listening. It turned on the radio. And I was just driving out of my, like, my suburbs. I couldn't tell you the last time I listened to the mu- music on the radio. But, yeah. I, yeah, like, I, I've driven through st- suburbs before. But it's weird that you keep driving by his house. Take it's, it's an a alternate weird. route. <laughs> GPSs are a thing. Have you right. seen the high school musical, the musical, the series? Unfortunately, I have. It's good. Don't say unfortunately. No, I don't think it is good. Whoa. I watched all of it. I don't think it's good. I think it's solid. I don't think you're wrong. Was my problem here. It (laughs) it was it did a lot more than I'd ever expect it to do. Yeah. Like it was on Disney Plus. I figured it would be pretty like cookie cutter, but it did more than I expected. And it's weird that it was on Disney Plus. Um, but no, I don't, it wasn't good. There's no way that was good. It it was, it was good. It was good. Cause I, I expected them to lean a lot more into like the high school musical stuff about it, but it's kind of just a backdrop to it. Season two is definitely going to be interesting with the whole thing now. Cause I think they did a Christmas special and I didn't watch the Christmas special. Okay. I, but I, I, <laughs> I want that on record personally. This is all going into the podcast. I want you that's to... fine. That's fine. Yeah, it's, this because, fine. It's, it's Disney related. Uh, no, I was hearing, I guess, rumors from people who watched it that there just wasn't the same chemistry between Joshua and Olivia. Um, that whole sentence is hilarious and slightly <laughs> embarrassing for you. No, I love it. Oh, it's so much fun to be up in other people's business. Aren't they like 17? One's 19. The other one, I believe, is 17. I think Josh is older. And that was was the whole thing because he was older and he didn't want to date like a 16-year-old. So that's why he dated Sabrina because she was older. Who is Sabrina? Sabrina Carpenter? She's the other part of this. It doesn't matter that much to me. It it was a whole thing. There's like YouTube videos on it. I won't ever watch them, but I appreciate that you're letting me know that there are options out there. It's exciting stuff. And it's a good song. Wow. <laughs> I just don't understand the point of driving past his house. <laughs> you got to get past that. You got to get past that. And then you can understand. Are there houses and driving or like that close together anyway? Ah. Uh- I don't know how houses work. Or is it all metaphorical? 
No, it's it's serious. <laughs> I'm just saying. Weird. Ghost Weird. stream driver's license. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Go stream our podcast. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like a palate cleanser between you each adver- episode of the podcast. You'll advertise a song with a hundred million plays and you won't you won't even consider advertising our podcast to your friends. We have the same friend group. I know, and I've never heard you talk about our podcast once to them. Because you do it before I could. That's just that's on you. Fine, if I say now go listen to our podcast, does that help? Because everybody who's listening to the podcast now is listening to the podcast now? Well, go listen to more episodes of our podcast. Go back, go forward, go, go middle. Back, go forward, go middle. Now, go watch the Horse Sense episode. Now go back to the start. <laughs> Learn that, know that we've grown from there, and then go back, and then go forward. The back episodes are last up first. Uh, the early episodes are probably rough. Hey, I apologize. Yeah. Or do you apologize? I said I like. We weren't. I, <laughs> it I wasn't think, a mutual thing. Well, I think we both apologize. I yeah, just hope I th- that I think people the... like people start here, not start back there. I feel like once you get past brink, you're okay. But then once you get past like a couple episodes later, it's tolerable. <laughs> I don't know how we spent three hours talking about Brink. I don't know, man. Probably the way we're about to spend three hours talking about Phantom of the Megaplex. I mean, we're lining up for it. Yeah, I also I mean... couldn't edit back then. Like, I guarantee you I could make that podcast under two hours. I think you can make it slightly above. I don't think you could do two hours, but... Proud of your work. Proud of your work. I'm not gonna take that bet because I'm just not I'm not gonna go back and do this. Cause I'll listen to this on Wednesday and be like, huh, I said that, huh? I'm <laughs> gonna do it. It's in recording. <laughs> welcome back to the unofficial decom podcast, guys. Yeah, welcome back. We are not a uh, Olivia Rodrigo podcast. We are an unofficial decom podcast podcast. But hey, if that gets us the views. I, we will force Tony to enjoy High School Musical, the musical, the series, and I don't think everything that surrounds it. force me to enjoy that. I already watched I, it voluntarily. You can't force me to enjoy it. Fine, then we'll just have to watch the Christmas special. Maybe, maybe that's going to be a good point. At some point, maybe we can just stop in for a bonus episode where we watch that. To make <laughs> you happy here. Let's do it. Let's do it. Because we will get to the real High School Musical. In the very, no. very far future. <laughs> Do you knows? not believe us? <laughs> Are you quitting? No, I'm not quitting, but, you know. No, we'll get there. We'll get to the <laughs> high school musical episode. We already have matching outfits picked out. Yeah, yeah. So we have to get there. We have to. We, we, we got to look fly. We, we got to get to that episode so we can be fly. I wonder, I feel like it's probably like a year out, honestly. Yeah, if we keep this pace up. 52 straight episodes from here, I think it's probably that. That's a bold statement. You know what? I'm, I back it. I back that statement. Bad choice, Anthony. The 
High School Musical episode is 30, I forget it, 38, I think, 38 weeks away, which means only 38 episodes away, just in time for almost Thanksgiving. Okay, okay. And now that we've backed it, do you want to get into this episode? Yeah, well, yeah, let's, let's <laughs> do That's this. probably a smart thing. What movie are we doing? Uh, we're doing Phantom of the Megaplex, like Tony said. Um, and Phantom of the Megaplex premiered on the Mega Disney Channel on November 10th, 2000. This is our second to last movie in the 2000s. So, not the decade, but the year, of course. Yeah, we got Xenon the sequel and then a Christmas movie. Xenon's gotta be in the ones, the 2001s. No, Xenon's next. Xenon's not next. Xenon the sequel is our next movie. No, you're wrong. Decom list. No, don't look it up because now you have to wait the entire podcast to figure out that you were wrong. And I'll link it up at the end. And nope, we'll it's it the out. ultimate Christmas present. You're wrong. You're wrong. No. December 1st, 2000 is the ultimate Christmas present. January 12th, 2001 is Xenon the sequel. I knew this because I saw it earlier. I don't believe you. you okay. We're doing Xenon next week anyway. <laughs> Please don't. Let's put the Christmas episode closer to Christmas. In two weeks. No! <laughs> it's closer to Christmas one way, but farther from Christmas the other. Well, if you're always looking back like a pessimist, then yes. You know I'm not a pessimist. Anyway. I'm, enter- <laughs> I'm entertained by High School, the Musical, the Musical, the Series. I can't be a pessimist. High School, the Musical, the Musical, the Series. Uh, yeah, let's get into it. Uh, do you have anything to say before we start? I have zero things to say before we start. I'm, I've got I've got even less to say while we start. <laughs> I've got nothing either either, and I have no soundtrack notes throughout just to tell you. Was there music in this movie? Uh not anything recognizable. You got your scoring and you got nothing else. Nothing that made me go, wowee, that sounds like a good song. Has any of these movies made you do that? Um, when I thought it was in sync, but turns out it wasn't because they couldn't get the rights to it back. I was excited about that. Anyway, let's get started. So we open the movie to our main character, Pete Riley, talking about history and how there's a story of an old movie theater in his town being demolished, but there was a guy trapped in there as it was demolished, and people think he's still alive and haunting the theater. But now Pete is the assistant manager at the new Megaplex Theater built on the grounds of the old theater, I guess. Sure. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I don't. Yeah, no, it was like confusing because it was another movie that was like, what if we star in black and white? (laughs) Let's do it. What if if we give you a history lesson? I was listening to some, like, like the clips that they were showing, like, I think some of it was Phantom of the Opera, and then there was also just, like, explosions. Which <laughs> is, like... We gotta get those kids just eyes glued to the screen. It's like, they don't care about Phantom of the Opera. But if we throw some explosions in there, I think we got them hooked. There is some entertaining stuff with their, with Phantom of the Opera, because it's obviously Phantom of the Megaplex is a take on Phantom of the Opera. But the 
like the most recent adaptation or the largest most recent i'm sure people had to try stuff uh is not out yet it's going to come out in 2004 so there's an even bigger gap like they're not capitalizing off of phantom of the uh, phantom of the opera the phantom of the mega the phantom of the opera reboot was cashing in on the success of the phantom of the megaplex right because it stars a former decom star that we've seen. Who? Emmy Rossum. From Genius. Who's Emmy? From Genius. Don't remember. She is the girl in Genius. Oh, I knew that. You said Emmy, and I'm like, okay, girl from G- You said Genius. Yeah, I said Emmy Rossum. Who's she playing in this movie? She's not in this movie. She's in Phantom of the Opera. She is oh. the main girl in the reboot of Phantom of the Opera. Okay. So there's a nice little weird circle coming back. <laughs> if you're in a DCOM, you can be in a successful Phantom of the Opera remake. I actually don't know if it was successful. Has I think been. it was. Yeah. That's it. Everyone wants Phantom of the Megaplex, and we're like, all right, I'm down for Phantom of the Opera. Let's go. Yeah, and you know they'll reboot Phantom of the Opera in like five more years, probably. We're getting to that time. Right. But not before they reboot Phantom of the Megaplex. I'm just getting everything wrong this episode, honestly. Phantom of the Opera was scheduled for a reboot that was announced in 2017. And it's supposed to be a part of the same universe as the Mummy movies. So, I don't know. I guess that's a thing. I hope not. I need to see a uh, a reboot of Phantom of the Megaplex. I want to see what uh, everybody's up to. So then Pete then talks about how his manager, Sean McGibbon, uh, got a big movie premiere for the movie Midnight Mayhem to happen at the Megaplex because he has some connections with people and stuff and of the sort. Uh, then we meet his co-workers. Uh, I'm going to read them off because there's a lot of them. Uh, we got Ricky Leary, aka Ricky Rules, because he always has the procedures. Right. We got t- we got Terry Torodo, Tor Tor Toro, aka Scary Terry, the, uh, the most annoying character in this movie. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All her stories end in death. We got Hillary Horn, aka Hillary Horn. Is that correct? I don't know. Either way, she's a grandma in a teenager's body. Um, we got Mark Jeffries, a.k.a. Question Mark. He's always asking a bunch of questions in response to things. Uh, we got Lacey Line. I don't, was that her name? Lacey Line, a.k.a. Racy Lacey, because she's always running around trying to get stuff down. And then there's two more. We got Meryl, a.k.a. Meryl, the projectionist who gives complicated answers. And then we got Movie Mason. He doesn't actually work there but he's always there because his family opened the original theater there. All right, so let's talk about some of these um, some of these employees of the Megaplex. We're not going to talk about Pete because he's not going to really ever do much. No? No. Um, Hillary is played by Joanne Bolin, who we've recently seen. I don't believe you. <laughs> and you told me when we saw her that oh I'll definitely remember who this is 
I cannot, I did not say that. I probably said I will not remember her. Because we saw her one week ago. <laughs> what was last week? What, what did we watch last week? Mom has a date with a vampire. Okay. Got a date. I told, I ended that episode last week. I said it should have been Mom has a date with a vampire. Um, no clue. <laughs> <laughs> She's a babysitter. Oh, I'm like, I'm like, she's definitely not the mom. There are no other female characters in this movie. Um, the daughter was in that movie, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. There are two people. Uh, but yeah, uh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> then we have Lacey, who is played by Lisa Ang. And she will appear again in Twitches. Nice. And then we have the movie Mason. Do you recognize the movie Mason? Don't recognize him. Recognize his name. Yeah, the movie Mason is Mickey Rooney. <laughs> who is uh, probably slots into number one on the Mount Rushmore of DCOM gets. Like a real actor. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like a real actor... Um, up there with Don Knotts and Debbie Reynolds, probably more notable than both of them. He's in Breakfast at Tiffany's. He's in It's a Mad, 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 Mad World. He had two television shows named after him, <laughs> start and finish, 40 years before either of us were born. And he was in the 2011 movie. Yes, yes. That's, I don't care about anything else he did before. I, it doesn't matter if I was born or not. That is the crowning achievement. That means he made it, and that automatically puts him at number one. Yeah. I mean, he was, uh, when he was alive, he was one of the most certainly recognizable names, and he was just always working. Like, he was working his entire career and was just so notable. And he's so good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, I didn't notice the actor himself. It's like, I, you know, I don't watch too many movies. But it's like, I saw the name, like, Mickey Rooney. That is definitely a name of, like, importance and significance. Yeah, yeah and, he, and he gets the last bill, too. He's, it's and Mickey Rooney also. He is just everywhere. And it's insane that he's in this movie. <laughs> for, as long as he's, for as long as he's in it, also. He's a main character. Right. I mean, it's like forget about any of the other co-workers, right? There's, he's always in this movie. Yeah, he is probably not in it as much as Debbie Reynolds was in Halloween Town, mm-hmm. but pretty close, probably in runtime. Yeah, like there might be like a twenty to thirty minute section in the middle of the movie where he's not in it because he's like kicked out of the theater. Yeah, but he's back. No. Uh, yeah, it, it it's absolutely insane that Mickey Rooney is here. Um, and I'm just honored to, to have a decom with Mickey Rooney. <laughs> uh, do you have any other actors? Did we go through all the ones that matter to you at least? I have two more total, and we haven't seen them yet. So. Okay, okay. Um, so we then figure out Pete's master plan for this evening, because the premiere is happening. But more importantly to him... He gave a girl he has a crush on. Her name is Caitlin Kerrigan and her friend, I guess she's unimportant. Uh, he gave him tickets to the movie premiere 
of Midnight Mayhem. And because of that, everything for this premiere has to be perfect. Yeah, he he's the youngest assistant manager of the movie theater. He's 17. Which, one, is insane that, like, obviously he's the youngest manager because there's, like, three adults that work at the movie theater. So it's like, he's the youngest assistant manager, so it's like, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Like, Drake and Josh, there was the Golden Vest, they were assistant managers. It's not... It's a big place, and he seems to do a lot of the work. He's the best at his job. Right. But also, 17 puts him at I believe our second oldest main character. Who's the first? Uh, Kirk Cameron. Uh, yeah. I'm sorry I asked. <laughs> but 17 makes it the first time we've had like a legitimate like like a teenager not just like 13. A thir- Yeah, like mom, I'm 13. I'm yeah. old enough. Like he's actually kind of an adult. Like he has a driver's license. Yeah. Good song. Good song. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, there's only one thing I want to bring up in these like first little bit of uh scenes. Movie Merrill, not Mo- Merrill, Movie Mason Ooh, makes yeah. Merrill sounds like an old man's name, so that's why I was saying Merrill's the other dude's name, right? Uh projectioner? Yeah. Projectionist? Merrill, yeah. Okay. Um Movie Mason makes this like own schedule for himself because he doesn't actually work the theater, but he hands it to Sean every week. Sean literally throws out this schedule maybe five steps away from Movie Mason. Oh, it's so... And he says it... Peter's, Pete says he does it every week. Yeah, it's like... Dude, you work in a megaplex. There's gotta be one other trash can that is not five steps away from Movie Mason. Yeah, phone it up, put it in your pocket, and find an, another trash can. It's just like... Wait till he turns around. It's like, honestly, he's giving you free work. Stop being so mean, man. Yeah. But also, we'll Uh, watch him do some work later. And maybe it was for the best. He's great at greeting people, not taking their tickets. Okay. Okay. He says, uh, welcome to the movie. What does he say? He says, like, what movie people say when you enter a theater. Enjoy the show. Yeah, that's it. Enjoy. He does that well. Welcome to the movie. Welcome to the theater. Uh, but yeah, that's all I had to say. Uh, so after that whole introduction, Sean then gives a pep talk, a pep talk about tonight to the crew. But during this, he gets a call from Wolfgang Niedermayer. He's the owner of the Megaplex about how Mr. Niedermayer wants his son-in-law to become general manager. And Sean's like, uh, I-, I guess, I guess I really can't say no to you. Right. I can't say no to being fired. No, I do not appreciate losing my job. <laughs> oh, uh, well, now that you say that... You're good. <laughs> you're fine. Um, it took me a little bit to realize this. No, it took me the entire mo- movie to realize <laughs> Niedermeyer, the Niederlander. That means Neder- nothing to me. The Niederlanders are super rich people, and they own a bunch of theaters, not movie theaters. Actual theaters. Actual theory. Super rich New York people. Neener Meyer and Neener Lander. I always call neener, them the Neener, 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 Neener. I always say, I've been saying Needle. Yeah. Yeah. They smushed a bunch of stuff together. 
yeah, at this point in the movie, I was really scared that uh, all these like coworker characters were only going to be talking via their personality trait that was mentioned at the beginning of the movie. It gets slightly better. Oh, they do exactly. They no, they talk exactly. <laughs> it is. It's just more bearable than you would think for everybody yeah. except Terry. Yeah, Terry, especially during this scene. Right. It's like, oh my god, oh my god, please be quiet. Just I yeah, can't take just, this. <laughs> just no, no. Like every time you speak, it's hard. Yeah. Hard yeah. To it listen. gets better though. <laughs> yeah, she just speaks less. Uh, so after that meeting, Pete then goes home where we meet his younger sister, Karen, his younger brother, Brian. Their character traits are they never shut up about movies. Uh, there's more to that story later. But um, and we also meet his mom. Right. They set them up as like, oh, he's like, why do you guys always talk about talk through movie references? And it's like. You work at a movie theater and every and they're the ones obsessed with movies. <laughs> What who wrote this? Also, you knew your dad loved movies too. It's not what? like a secret. You knew the dad the most. <laughs> the mom said the reason why you work at the movie theater is probably because of your dad. No wonder they speak in movie references. <laughs> you're like, they're like, oh, you guys are always gonna talk about movies. It's like you're in a movie theater attire right now. Yeah, freak. <laughs> Literally, the mom is the only one not involved in the movie business who can have a job. Right. Uh, yeah, so we meet them and then we meet the mom. Um, and we learn that the kids want George, a guy their mom is seeing, to propose to their mother because uh, it's not really stated in this movie, but you get the vibe that the dad died at some point. Oh, the dad died, yeah, because no one speaks bad to him, or they yeah. even talk about him. <laughs> the dad died. Which just lines it up for decom cliche. Yeah. Uh, there's a sign inside the house that just says, let it snow. <laughs> Don't know what that's about, but here we are. Happy Halloween. Should we talk about the final two? Uh, two? Yeah. Final two people I have to talk about. Fine. Choose your two people out of the three here. Uh, Brian Riley is played by Jacob Smith, who is Jake Baker in Cheaper by the Dozen 1 and 2, which I watched yesterday. Congratulations. Um, is he I good have, in that movie? He's good in one. He's barely in two, but <laughs> anyone but Steve Mar- Martin is barely in two. Like, Hillary Duff is in, like, two scenes. Julie Riley is played by Corinne Bower. And we have seen her before. Uh, earlier movies or early. more recent? Early? early. Uh, there's no chance. There's not a chance if it was last week. We already covered that. <laughs> Tell me. In 20-whatever episodes ago, she played Marshall's mom in Under Wraps. Wait, pause, pause. You're talking about... Wait, who are you talking about? The mom or the kid? The mom. I'm so confused. I thought you were talking about the sister. No. 
<laughs> I didn't know the mom's name, so I just assumed you, you were talking about the brothers. You were going to talk I about the sister. I... So when you said Marshall's mom from Under Wraps, I went, what did I miss? Isn't the sister Katie? Kate? Uh, Karen. Karen. Uh, yeah. The mom plays Marshall's <laughs> mom in Under Wraps. Okay, no, no, no chance in, uh, no chance I would remember that. I definitely saw her face and was like, I remember her now, but I already wrote down that she was Marsha's <laughs> mom and under wraps. That's the caveat is I see all the people after I've written them all down. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so you don't want to talk about Karen? No? No, no, I have nothing. Okay. I have bad cool. news, no one was on Glee, so. That's fine, that's fine. We had a big one last week, so I'll let I'll let this week slide. So yeah, that was happening out in their garden or whatever. Pete and the mom then go inside and they have a conversation about their father who loved movies and stuff. We talked about that. And then she talks about how uh, Pete works too much, which he does. But Pete says that he just wants to keep on making that cold hard cash. Yeah, this is where the let it snow sign is. Um, <laughs> other than that, I don't really have anything. Um, I wanted to bring up, we also hit another decom cliche uh, 10 minutes into this movie where Karen goes, you still treat me like I'm three years old? Right. And then uh, they say they're going to go get her a bottle. <laughs> yeah, at least they called it out this time, which I appreciate. Because I think um, they call out something later about Pete's age. I think Karen does it as well. Um, I don't have the specific moment. I just said Karen calls out teenagers and decoms looking too old. Which is more of a later thing in DCOMs, but still. Yeah, I mean, especially there's definitely a shift later on where they're like, regardless of what age they're playing, we're just going to go for older people to play them. And they're going to be in high school no matter and then what. You get, yeah, and then you get Camp Rock and Lemonade Mouth and High School Musical. And yeah. All of the Jason Dolly ones. <laughs> what a king. I also have another thing about like Pete's whole movie plan like where he wants to impress caitlin and everything his whole thing is like my siblings are gonna ruin this entire caitlin plan having little siblings is only gonna help him more with this caitlin thing yeah probably it bumps him up being a responsible like brother also it's cute to have little siblings uh but also he should really worry about everything else at that place because like they're going to be the least problematic part of that experience. Uh, yeah. Although he devotes a lot of his time later to not running the movie theater. Right. And spending yeah. time with his siblings. We get a whole, like, action sequence at the start of the movie about, like, oh, look how great Peter is at his job. And then on the main night at the movie theater, you're like, Jesus, he's terrible. He doesn't do anything. It's like he's good at what he does. Stops working for a while. Yeah. He's, he's good. He's good if no one's at the movie theater. He <laughs> seems to be great at that part. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so later we go back to the theater where uh, we learn that all the unimportant co-workers that we didn't learn the names of, um, they have called out and now the crew is very understaffed for the movie premiere night. As the, and then we see him try to get the theater ready for tonight um back at home karen is trying to negotiate with brian about letting her ditch the little kitty movie he wants to see so she can see 
a PG-13 movie. And they kind of make a deal here where uh, Brian will get some free movies and money out of it if he lets her uh, dip. Yeah, no much. There's not no. much in this first section of the movie. No. Um, we go back to the theater where Pete bumps into Donnie, Donnie Hall and his goon. He's inquiring about Caitlin here. And then after that like little bump in, we learn that they've got beef, of course, because it's not a decom without some beef. And we learn that Donnie always gets everything that Pete wants and that Pete, Pete is such a nice guy. You know that. He doesn't have the fancy car. He doesn't there's, have the cash. There's something about this movie that if it was like, if like Caitlin is the main character or if like Donnie is the main character, he is written as such a creep. Yeah. yeah. If he's not the main character. <laughs> yeah, he gives him like, gives this girl tickets because he likes her. And then it's angry when somebody else goes to see a movie with her. Yeah, and he's like, he's, yeah, he'll be played by, like, visually someone who looks 10 years older than everybody else. And he'll have glasses <laughs> with, like, a bowl cut. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, the only reason Pete is given this good of a writing is because he's the main character. And to his credit, he's probably one of the best main characters we have. Yeah, he's pretty like competent at everything. Yeah. Um, but also he is older than all of the other main characters. So it's kind of expected. Yeah. I will say one thing that I remember about this movie, because like I remember this movie vaguely. I I remember two scenes, one that's about to come up. I remember their costumes, like their uh the movie theater outfits vividly for some reason. <laughs> the bow tie and all? Yeah. Like the color scheme too. And I remember being terrified by this movie. <laughs> That's very weird. I Because I can't think of anything too terrifying in this movie. The mask is not. I mean, I don't know how old I was when I was watching this movie, <laughs> but there's a solid chance I was like three. Oh, okay. Because I'm like, the mask is just a uh, silver spray-painted Party City mask. Right. Like, the first time the first time it's out, I'm probably just over one, so I probably don't remember that. But, like, I probably saw it younger than you would think. <laughs> so, I definitely got spooked, and I remember being scared of this movie. Did you also remember a Ferris wheel? No. I remember this. I remember the gumball machine thing coming up here. Okay. Okay. But no Ferris wheel. Got it. No Ferris wheel. Right. <laughs> uh, I was right. No, you were right. You just, you didn't see it. I, and I want to remind everybody of that. Because uh, I can. Uh, we then see the crew become swamped with people as pe the movie day starts. That's not a thing that they call it. Nobody calls it a movie day. The work they starts. We see the crew is being swamped as they try to get the premiere ready, and and then uh, Mason decides to help. Movie Mason decides to help and not get paid to take tickets. And uh, there's this little like not beef between Sean and Movie Mason, but Sean really doesn't want Movie Mason to be involved. 
When I grow up, I want to be like movie Mason. It's not bad life to live, but I feel like there's some really like sad backstory with movie Mason about how he like can't let go of the like movie theater life. He lives in the basement. He lives in the basement alone and he just seems like desperate to be involved. Yeah, I, you know, it's his movie theater that gets torn down or destroyed, and apparently someone was in there. Maybe he knew <laughs> them. Uh, he lived in the base. He lives in the basement now. Uh, yeah, but also like just the ability to just hang out in a movie theater. <laughs> he probably doesn't have to pay for tickets too often. No, no. It seems like he's seen everything. Yeah. As he gives his opinions on the movies. I'm. Just, I think it's a good life. Yeah. It's a good life, yeah. He's also always nicely dressed too. Killing the game. Um, so Mason starts to take these tickets, and then the siblings, Karen and Brian, a lot arrive at the theater to Mason holding up the line because he's giving his opinions about like what movies are worth people's times and not, and he won't let these people in unless they agree to see the good movie he wants them to see. And Mickey Rooney tells you to see a movie, you see that movie. I feel like he's got a good enough, like, background to tell you what movies are good. Simple as that, yeah. Yeah. Um, I do want to say that Brian runs up the stairs here to see, like, what's holding up the line and everything. His shoe is just straight up untied. I'm like, he's going to eat it. He's going to eat it right on these stairs. And movie's over. Movie's over. <laughs> it's actually, this is it. That's why we Pete, took Pete, so long to start. <laughs> Pete had to leave the theater because... uh. Poor Brian. Face was smushed. <laughs> when he came back and said, we're going to see a riot, he wasn't lying. It's about shoelace safety. It, it, was, it was one big after-school special about having your shoes always tied. <laughs> and how Velcro shoes are superior. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so this leads to Sean taking Mason off the tickets, of course. And he basically banishes him from the theater at this point. Yeah, he's like, all right, I tried. Get out, please. <laughs> um, so Karen and Brian then meet up with Pete. They talk to him for a little bit, and then Pete sees Caitlin, and he goes over to talk to her. But while this is happening, Brian accidentally pops off a lid to this plastic gumball container. And this is when Donnie, the, uh, I guess, tough guy, we can call him from earlier, he attempts to put it back on for Brian here, but he pushes too hard and a bunch of gumballs fall out and we get the uh, people doing the good old tripping on marbles kind of comedy. I remember the gumballs flying out of this thing. That's what I remember here. Do you remember Pete trying to pick up gumballs with a hockey stick? No, nope. <laughs> no. Nope. I feel like you rem- would remember something that's that weird of you a know, choice. I'm, I should remember a lot of things, but I remember gumball shooting out of a gumball thing that, for one, would be canceled in this day and age. <laughs> that's so unsanitary. Imagine if there was a pandemic. <laughs> Can't have that. Um, imagine. Imagine if there was a pandemic. Right. Um, <laughs> and. Yeah, so here's the thing. Donnie just, like, 
There are very few points where Donnie seems terrible, but there are also some points where Donnie is just like, oh, he seems kind of fine. I feel like the worst thing he does here is he calls uh, Brian like Little Pete. Yeah. But then after that, he's like, oh, you want help putting that back on? It's pretty simple. Yeah, yeah he tries like he fails and he definitely <laughs> had the wrong idea. But and also like the them flat. Yeah, it didn't make sense. The shot is very confusing. But yeah, yeah, he seems like like he gets a bad rap in this movie. Yeah, he might not be the perfect person, but he's like not a bad person. Pete has to like clean all these gumballs up, and he decides to take like a hockey split uh, stick from one of the displays, and just one by one he starts shooting these gumballs into a trash can. Which one? I feel like we saw that montage earlier. Pete's been built up as this guy who's like good and efficient at his job really weird choice here but also i feel like you miss a couple of those they're definitely hitting patrons oh it feels like the least efficient way to do that <laughs> like he's just firing straight into a garbage can where like just like a dust like a dustpan feels so much more efficient a dustpan a broom Pushing him with your hands. Right. But he's just like, like he almost has to take one shot per gumball. Yeah. And you can assume not all of them go in. Yeah. There's it. We had it's to like, put the in there, though. It is a decom, but it's like, you know, when you would be like at a batting cage and you kind of had like to chuck the balls back into your little container. But the thing is, you would miss a lot of those balls. Right. It was kind of that same thing. I'm like, you're going to have to just spend more time doing this. But the weirdest thing about this is everybody around him is like cheering him on. Then it made me think this was a dream sequence. <laughs> you, you know, like when you're playing like wiffle ball and someone throws the ball and it's a bad pitch and it ends up behind you. So you go to give it back. But instead yeah. of throwing it, you go to hit it like a golf, like a golf ball. Yes. Yeah. And it just ends up taking more time. This yeah, is that. it takes a couple. Of, yeah. But everybody loves it, apparently. Right. Um, yeah, but that happens. But the thing is, even though everybody's cheering Pete on, he sees Donnie and Caitlin going into a movie together. Poor Pete. Yeah, Caitlin just dips with Donnie, who started everything. Caitlin well, doesn't need to know that. It. So after that, Karen then sets up Brian at his farmer movie or whatever. Um, there's this character called the Cinema Sitter here. She's basically old lady security for the movie theater. Right. Um, before we get to that, Karen, Karen talks to her friend outside of uh, University of the Dead. The that's movie not that's, the name. What is it? That's the one mom, the mom calls it. No, you know because it's like college of the. No, that's the one the mom calls it. Oh, then I'm wrong. Never mind. So they're outside University of the Dead, and and Karen talks to her friend, and she, she's like, "All right, I'll be right in there." And the friend's also like, "The movie starts in fifteen seconds. Where are you?" <laughs> <laughs> um, but she calls her brother the Bry guy. I I heard that. Which is my favorite nickname I've ever heard. Like. 
And it's not like it's not like some like annoying person calling someone that like just like a girl calling her little brother the bry guy is awesome. I love that. <laughs> it's amazing, but it's never brought up again after that. And it's so sad. No, and that's what I think makes it so good is that it's just like something she calls him. And she's just like the bry guy. And she's like, just, I gotta get Oh man. Like it makes you wanna have like a daughter, so she can call her younger brother the Bry guy. The Bry guy. <laughs> yeah, I gotta get Bry guy set up over here in his uh, farmer movie. Right. It was just bag. such like it's one of my favorite lines because it and the way she delivers it is just like the Bry guy, like you know. Yeah, yeah. everybody knows the Bry guy. Right. Come on. Almost as if she exclusively talks to her friends about her brother <laughs> in the form of the Bry guy. One of my favorite lines ever. I wish I had a nickname like that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so Karen does that, and she like sits in the farmer movie for like a couple minutes. She's like, "I'm gonna go to my movie now," but the cinema sitter is kind of like to tell you sit back down. I don't know. It's a weird job, and she should probably be doing something else. Because they're understaffed. Oh. I thought she was like a babysitter. No, I understand where you're coming right. from. Right, well, the, the name. word sinner, yeah. <laughs> you're <laughs> you, you get it. Right, yeah. Yeah, but it's just a weird job. It's like, because it's security, like but it's usher. a grandma. Yeah. It's like an usher, and she's just like, sit down. But also she's walking through the hallway and like Karen is hiding from her as if like you can't walk through a movie theater. It's 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 like one of those video game like self stealth sequences where it's like if you get in the eyesight of this person, you lose the level. Right. It's just like it doesn't make sense, like like you can just walk past someone in a move at a movie theater. It's That's less fun. suspicious if you do. Right. There's a lot of like, like Pete has to check in on his on his brother in the movie theater and his sister in the movie theater. A movie theater is the one place where you almost do not need to check on someone because <laughs> they sit there. Because they sit there and they watch a movie, and honestly, if you walk in and start talking to someone, you're annoying. Get out of there! Get out! Get out! Go! What are you doing? You're not welcome. Why do you have a flashlight also? <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of talking during movie. The movie theater etiquette in this movie is piss poor. Oh, it's bad. Uh, but yeah, so Caitlin, not Caitlin, Karen avoids the cinema sitter on her way to the college university blood movie. <laughs> um, weird thing about this theater is all the movies start at the exact same time because the hallways are empty for this. Uh, but after that, Pete is then talking to Caitlin before her movie starts. He's flexing all the power he has as the assistant manager here. And he's like, I can maybe, well, no, he's not even maybe. He's like, I can get you to meet Jacob Johnson, one of the most generic actor names ever. But they can meet Jacob Johnson after Isn't that the just movie. Jake Johnson from New Girl. I, I, my mind went to Jake Johnson or Jack Johnson, either. The hockey player or the singer? Uh, Jack Johnson is an abysmal hockey player. Great singer, though. 
<laughs> watch too much Jack Johnson hockey. <laughs> the Listen Alfred to- Payton of <laughs> hockey. <laughs> Jack, well, how long until uh, Curious George comes out? Probably a little bit, so. He did other music than Curious George. Like, I, I will admit, the Curious George soundtrack, a masterpiece. Right, but he's not Everything else, <laughs> in between dreams? He's not a movie star until Curious George. Yeah, true, true, true. Jacob Johnson actually just gives me, like, Taylor Lautner vibes with the way people are reacting to him. Just feels like they needed a name. A guy name. <laughs> and they combined two of the writers in the room and went, Jacob and jo- <laughs> Jacob Johnson. Two white writers. They were like, oh, we got Jacob over here? We got a Johnson. <laughs> Solid. Uh, but yeah, so... Pete's like, you can meet Jacob Johnson after, even though he probably can't promise that. Uh, but Donnie, Donnie comes in, and he ruins the fun by telling Pete that there's a popcorn emergency. Yeah, once again, Pete, like, uh, Donnie just like, he doesn't need to say that, but he's just like, hey, uh, Hannah and the Hillary, whatever her name is, needs you outside. There's a popcorn emergency. Yeah, you're not doing your job, bro. People need you out there. Right, like, like he's just like, Another point for Donnie. He's at plus one right now because he tried to help. He tried to help Brian, and then he yelled at Brian and blamed him. So zero, and now he's at plus one. Yeah, yeah, we'll keep track of it. Um, I do want to say something because we will see like Ricky serve some popcorn in the next scene. He says that the popcorn total price will come out to eight seventy five, which with inflation. Is thirteen twenty nine in like today money? Okay, which honestly isn't that far off. Um, if you do the math, they said, and I won't. He <laughs> says at the start of the movie that they sell eighty pounds of popcorn per night. It's an insane return on profit. How much does popcorn weigh? I don't like know. I, I feel like, like if I were I've to never get... held a pound of popcorn, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Like, if I were to get, like, a large bucket of popcorn, that's, is that even a pound of popcorn? Like, you got to negate the container. There's no way the movie theater industry gives you a pound of popcorn for any price. You're right, you're right. Except at the very end of the night, if you go, you can get popcorn. Because they just throw it out anyway. And it's also on the floor, so if you want to have some. Right, right. And they go, yeah, you can have some popcorn, but only the ones that are on the floor. It, it's tastier, I promise. Um, but Pete leaves the theater. He goes, fixes the popcorn emergency. But also, there's a projector, projector emergency in one of the other theater. But also, at the same time, he's got to check in on his brother at one of the other, at the movie he's seeing. Um... So Pete solves all of these problems, but Brian, I think, is out of the theater at this point. But he's like, I think this is sabotage by the Phantom of the Megaplex because he saw it in like a movie before about well, sabotage. Well, the Phantom of the Meg- they say that the Phantom of the Megaplex is a thing. Yeah. And that that's... movie theater specifically. Yeah, yeah. It's like the lore of the theater. Right. Um and then after that, Brian makes his way back to his movie, and he hears a spooky sound in the hallway. He tries to do some, like, karate and everything, but he sees nothing. 
But what we see are some creepy eyes appearing on one of the promotional cardboard cutouts. Maybe that spooked you. And that spooked me and like, it can spook a kid. Oh, that's definitely, that scene specifically. That scene, uh, some other stuff. You can get spooked. Okay, um, okay. Now, I believe you. you. I, I believe you. Definitely don't... <laughs> you can get spooked. Come on. Don't need to defend yourself anymore. Really, yeah. I'm a baby watching horror movies. I you don't need to defend it to me. Um, but after that, Karen and her friends are just being obnoxious in one of the movie theaters, not paying attention to the movie they wanted to see. But then she leaves and goes I don't to Brian. This scene. This scene who's Bill? Who's Bill Dalton? What the yeah. the hunk in the college movie? <laughs> they just stand up and you. It does. The scene's dumb. He's the Jacob Jacob the Jacob Johnson of the University the Blood Jacob movie. Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt of, <laughs> of the University Blood movie. Uh yeah, yeah, but that happens. Um she then goes to Brian's movie where Brian is not there because he's just vibing with uh with Pete. More emergencies then happen in the theater. But as everything is happening, they notice that Sean is missing. And that's weird because Sean is never missing. Uh, what I do want to bring up here is it's not just a movie with the unfocused projector because that's the projector emergency. It's also in the other movie theater where the lights are flickering. Nobody reacts that way to like the movies, your projector like not being focused. They are yelling. They are throwing popcorn. They are just aggressive about everything. Yeah. <laughs> it's... <laughs> It's more of like a frustration thing, if anything. No, there's no one in this movie that's not acting their heart out. <laughs> this was everybody's big break. <laughs> Including Mickey Rooney. <laughs> <laughs> Especially Mickey Rooney. No, everybody in this movie is going full throttle, holding back nothing as they scream about the projector. Also, the, the weird thing about this movie is like they keep going into the projector room and at no point is the projector room dark. It's the <laughs> brightest room in the entire movie. Yeah, you, you see people looking up into the projector room because they can see people there because the lights are on. Yeah, it's the brightest room in the movie. Just just people people live in their best lives in this theater. Or worst lives because they're very angry. Um, but more stuff bad stuff is happening around this theater. And Brian has now joined Pete in trying to help him solve everything. They go downstairs to uh, just search for stuff. And they find Sean tied up with duct tape on his mouth. But Sean doesn't know who basically trapped him down in the space. And he was supposed to get some red velvet ropes. But then somebody like pushed him from behind and tied him up. Yeah. And then they let him out. <laughs> yeah. Sean just stays there for the whole movie. He's trapped. Nothing's going to get explained in this movie, and you're just going to have to deal with it. That's most decoms. You, you draw your own conclusions, honestly. Um, so they let Sean out, and then they learn from a phone call, because Mr. Niedermeyer is calling up Sean like every five minutes, and then Sean finally picks up after being let go. And we learn that Mr. Niedermeyer will be there in an hour. So he's like, everybody's got to get back to work. Um, 
And then at this point, Karen also out of her theater and Brian are sent back to their, to the farm movie theater. But then they have a conversation where Brian notices that all the bad things happening at the theater are relating to the titles of the movies that are playing in those theaters. So they leave, they leave that theater immediately and try to figure out what is coming next. Yeah, Brian hits Karen with a quote from their, uh, from their father that says, if you pay attention to movies, they can teach you about life. Which is so vague, and I don't think you can specifically attribute that to one person. I mean, it's, that's the point. Yeah, it's, it's vague, but it's also very ironic because nobody in this movie is paying attention to their movie. Yeah, no, it doesn't come into play. They don't learn anything about movies from movies. They're just like, oh, the title of this movie is Wind. Watch out, <laughs> wind's gonna happen. Like, the quote is dumb, <laughs> obvious, completely unnecessary in this movie. But it makes them sound smart, so let's just roll with it. Uh, so, at, so, so after that, like, discovery, they leave the theater to figure out what's happening next, and they go into, they don't go, they see in one of the other theaters that a big fan that they were going to use for the premiere has gone missing, and it is in the theater blowing people out because the movie is Cyclone-themed. That's not how you pronounce Cyclone, that's a weird way to stress this, a little Cyclone. Cyclone! <laughs> The Cyclone movie, which is basically a nature documentary, I feel. Now you're addressing pronunciation. Um, (laughs) Well, that's just unnatural. The Cyclone movie is just Twister. (laughs) But they couldn't do Twister, obviously. Yeah. Did no one notice someone push out a giant fan? (laughs) Um, no. The moviegoers are so aggressive. Why aren't they aggressive to someone putting a giant fan in front of their movie? People talking during movies, I'm angry. People pushing big fans in front of the screen during the movie, I sleep. (laughs) Some wild stuff, and also that grown people are getting pushed by this fan. That was going to be used out in the open anyway. Right. That had been on. Yeah. We've passed it and it's been on. <laughs> but it's but it's okay. It's okay. Because we get our classic 2000s movie joke where somebody's toupee flies off. <laughs> it flies off into uh, Caitlin's face. Nasty. Yeah. <laughs> And then, and Donnie says, don't worry, I'll take care of this. And he tries to, but um, something flies into his face and knocks him back down. I don't know, but that's another point. <laughs> Go Donnie. Plus minus for Donnie, plus two. He's, he's doing well. He's doing well. Um, but luckily, Pete apparently is strong enough to pull the plug on the big fan. And Pete saves a day here. Oh, every problem in this movie is going to get solved by unplugging something. Yeah, the popcorn machine. Maybe not the projector, but everything else. The fog machine later, 
Yeah. <laughs> Even technically the sword later. Yes, yeah. It's the end-all be-all is turn it off. And Pete is the only one who can do it, apparently. Yeah, it's all Pete. Uh, so after that, we go back to the mom and George. They're at, at a dinner place, which apparently is closed down. They have a conversation here about two plants hanging and plants becoming one together. I don't know. It's just them talking about what they think about marriage. But this is interrupted by Pete asking, Pete calling the mom to ask her to pick the kids up because for some reason the mom's like, oh, you can take your siblings home on dinner break because you're not doing anything else on the big movie premiere night. That's fine. Pete's like, everybody's dying. Nobody's here. I need to work through my dinner break instead of using my dinner break to take people home. We haven't talked about it, and I don't think we'll really be able to talk about it much because it's kind of confusing and hard to even address. But we're watching a movie about a phantom, quote. Yeah. And George, the mom's boyfriend, is still the weirdest character in the movie. The dude talks so uncomfortably. It's 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 slightly weird. I feel like he can pass as a normal person. Feels like he's trying to. That's the problem. <laughs> it does seem like he has a bunch of accents that he can't like pick one. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like, like I said, no one in this movie is not acting their heart. <laughs> but he, but the- he he's the weirdest character in this movie, and. Where we just can't possibly explain him enough. Yeah, but it's like the thing with this whole George and mom situation is nobody cares about it. Oh, it's so unnecessary. Also, it's like, <laughs> it's like, why did you have to kill off the dad? Like, a father can have influence on his children if he's still alive, Disney. Like, yeah, it's just make <laughs> them a couple, make them married, and make them go on a date night. Like, I do not understand. <laughs> And, like, the dad can still love movies if he's alive. That's not yeah. a dead person thing. No, like, there's no there's no reason for you to be, like, and dead parent, obviously. You gotta check it off. We, need- we got sports, dead parent. No listening behind a wall, though. We need to... We need to write in a storyline for the mother who we don't <laughs> care about. Uh... Oh, she was an underwrapped? Let's give her another soon-to-be fiancé. <laughs> Instead of hating him, these kids will love him. Boom. Aren't we creative? We did it. We, we did it. Good work, give guys. us the Oscar. <laughs> We've got Mickey Rooney and a dead parent. That's a decom. What's up, Oscars? <laughs> yeah, this movie is definitely Oscar bait. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's all about movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's too Mickey meta Rooney not even, to be. <laughs> Mickey Rooney thinks of, sings a song about Hollywood later in this. It's all Oscar bait. So that George scene with the mom happens. Uh, the mom's like, yeah, we can pick them up, whatever. But George's car doesn't start here. That's the big thing that happens. Right, and who cares? <laughs> Nobody does. Um... We go back to the theater where Pete is telling the kids to wait for mom, 
But here, Sean comes up and tells Pete that he thinks the Phantom is Movie Mason and that Pete's new job is to find Movie Mason. Um, One thing I want to say about this is I think it also happens in the car scene with the mom and everything. She's like, you got to make sure the kids sit on this blue bench in the lobby of the theater. And I feel like they filmed that scene before they had the actual bench because the bench of the movie theater is like a black bench, but they threw a blue cushion on top of it because they, they said blue cushion already. And it's referenced multiple times throughout this movie. Yeah, that that part is really weird. I thought you were just going to brush past it. But now the mom just is like, all right, no, don't make them wait outside. Make them wait on the blue bench. <laughs> blue? The blue bench. I know you're colorblind, you <laughs> idiot. But it's yeah, the big blue one. And, and this isn't, don't think I forgot about the last time when I said blue bench and they were on the red one. I didn't. <laughs> I will get your father to haunt you if you mess this up again. The blue bench. The you heard blue. me? Yeah, you heard me? <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to bring that up because, <laughs> because when the kids sit down, the big blue cushion on the bench just shifts. <laughs> it almost falls off the bench. <laughs> Some wild stuff. Uh, so Pete goes on a search for Mason. And he learns from other people that Mason is still at the theater somewhere. But then, while this is happening, Brian finds Mason's work schedule that Sean threw out earlier. And uh, Brian asks around, and he learns that movie Mason takes his dinner breaks in the basement. So him and Karen go to the basement to find Mason. It's hilarious that Brian has to pull out his schedule for work that was thrown out in the trash and is somehow at the top of the trash. Whatever. <laughs> he has to pull that out to think about where he would be on his dinner break. <laughs> oh, dinner, huh? Yeah, I wouldn't have thought about that unless I had this piece of paper. Yeah, it's for not, it's like... You think about four things and it's food, 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 and sleep. I feel like Pete should kind of know this too be like oh uh movie mason's here every day it's dinner time maybe i should go check where he eats dinner every night right like it just feels like huh maybe maybe movie mason is in the basement if we always know that he's in the basement at night but he lives in the basement <laughs> who who would have thought uh but yeah so they, Brian and Karen, go down to the basement to try to find Movie Mason. But while walking down the stairs at the bottom, they see a black hooded figure run by. We don't know who this is right now. Slightly creepy. Slightly creepy. Yeah, no, I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. The close ups ruin it later, but it's creepy. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they see that. Then they go downstairs further because they want to investigate. And then they find a old they find a hallway with a bunch of old movie props and lights on. So Brian walks in to investigate. And then Karen's like, I guess I gotta follow him behind. Where are all the cats running around the prop warehouse? Uh easy mistake to make. I feel like it should have been in the trivia. 
of I like one of the actors were like allergic to cats. Okay. Mickey Rooney probably. Mm, that makes sense. That makes sense. Makes, makes sense. Yeah, because you have to have cats running around it's, the top of our house. It's a law. It's a law. Yeah. Like if you have A, you gotta have B. And the, yeah, it's, if you have the prop warehouse, you gotta have cats. the cats. Um. So they go in to investigate. We then cut to the mom. She's calling the theater here. She's calling the payphones that um, Pete called from earlier. Yeah, she's so calling. Yeah, because because every movie here we have to have one character with a pager and another character with a cell phone, and in this movie it was George and the mom, because in the last movie didn't somebody had a pager, but there was also a cell phone. I forget who. Someone has no um what. The older sister had a cell phone, and it was like a huge cell phone. Yeah, I swore somebody had a pager though. Maybe I don't know, but either way, she calls the payphones that are in the lobby of the theater. So, uh, one of the coworkers, Mark's pick, Mark picks it up, and he says that the kids aren't on the blue bench. Um, and then he is told by the mother, mother to go and find Pete. But while he leaves the phone just hanging, a little bit dangling, uh, Lucy, who is uh, cleaning, although not cleaning, because she works fast, but she misses half of the popcorn on the floor. So much stuff. More than half. (laughs) She maybe picked up two pieces of this popcorn spill on the ground. Either way, she hangs up the phone. Um, We go back to the hallway in the basement where the kids find an old family opera poster with Mason on it. Let me just say, don't think that looks like Mason. No, it doesn't, but it just kind of like emerges from it, right? What do you mean? Doesn't he just like emerge like from the, in front of the poster? Behind the poster. Oh, behind the poster, right. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, like they, they went from the poster to Mason. And I still couldn't see the resemblance. But the kids were like, oh, that's a Mason. Oh, yeah. Um, so they find that poster, and then Mason appears. Um, the kids here are thinking that Mason's the Phantom, of course, because of what Sean said. And then Mason goes on a long-winded word jumble that I didn't understand, basically just to say that he's not the Phantom. Yeah. Um, I didn't have Mickey Rooney with a Wizard of Oz reference in my plans for when we started this podcast. (laughs) But here we are. Yeah, yeah. Which is like, I'm pretty sure he was friends with Judy Garland also. Oh, okay. Just to put into perspective of like, how old Mickey Rooney is during this movie. (laughs) Yeah, I I also feel like he aged during this movie as well, because by the end of it, I'm like, oh no. You're looking a little bit old there. Mickey, uh, I d- Mickey Rooney's always looked old. That was always Mickey Rooney's thing. <laughs> Decoms age you, so I can't wait to see what we look like by the end of this. <laughs> I do want to say, there are way too many close-ups in the movie, especially in this scene. I don't think there's one wide shot this whole conversation. It's such a tiny like area, too, that I can't imagine <laughs> most of it is filmed in that but anyway, if you put it into perspective, like, this is 11 years before Mickey Rooney's going to show up in the 
2011 Muppets movie. He was just preparing. And he's old then, obviously. <laughs> I'm I'm glad that by the end of this whole DCOM experience, I'll be able to point out more 2011 Muppet movie cameos every time I watch it. Yeah, uh, he's a very light cameo, but it's very obvious once you know, like who Mickey Rooney is. Wait, is he in Life's a Happy Song? Yes, he is. I know exactly who you're talking right, about. Holy right, moly! Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm excited, but we gotta stop talking about this movie. <laughs> uh, that's that's a personal win for me. I know the exact line in the song. Okay, I'm yeah. done. I'm done. <laughs> um, um, so that conversation ends. Back upstairs, Sean is missing again. When agent to all the movie stars of the this one movie, she arrives and she asks the people working at the concession stand which includes pete to go find sean or else all of her actors will leave yeah i don't know why she's not going to like the owner of the theater first yeah and the guy who's like he's friend the owner's friends with the director so it's like there's that connection there i wouldn't go asking for the movie theater general manager uh but after that conversation ricky is apparently get about to get beat up by donnie because Donnie won free movie passes because there was this like little promotion where if you pulled the sword from the stone, um, you got free movie passes for a year, I believe. But since they can't find Sean, Ricky's like, I'll give you your passes, but I just can't give them to you now. Lincoln Full House. Sure. In Disney World, you know, there's a sword in the stone. Yeah, yeah, no, Michelle, I know that one. Michelle pulls it and then they, she, gets, she joins the parade. Sure, yeah. Totally watched that one. My sister pulled the sword from the stone one time. She did not get a parade. No parade? She also wasn't Mary Kate and or Ashley Olsen, so that could have been it. There's three of them. Why couldn't she be one of them? I feel like the odds are there. Well, only two of them played Michelle. (laughs) I don't know what to tell you, man. I'm sorry. I just feel like the 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 full house disney episode feels like something you would have seen i feel like it would have been cuz 90 90s like family sitcoms had that weird thing where they would just all go to like disney world for an episode or two it's not even 90s sitcoms it's 90s and like current ones cuz i think like you remember the show the middle uh-huh they went to Disney, if I think, for a little bit. Right. Boy Meets World did it. Um, there's another one that I can't think of right now. But yeah, it's uh, weird. Yeah, big ad for Disney. Always. Weird fad. Weird, <laughs> weird fad that would happen all the time. Obviously, that can't really happen anymore outside of ABC show. So the middle makes sense. Yeah, no, it does. Okay. Um, sorry about the lack of parade. Um, so Donnie's like, fine, I don't want the movie passes, but I do want to go to the movie premiere tonight because Caitlin got her passes from Loverboy over here. Uh, but Pete's like, the seats, or Ricky is like, the seats are already filled. There's no way I can fit you in with the fire code and all. So Pete goes to help out Ricky here, but before Pete and Donnie can fight, 
the fire alarm goes off in one of the theaters. So Pete has to go fix this problem. There's probably a minus one for Donnie here, honestly. Yeah, he was threatening to beat up a guy. And kind of, it's borderline minus two. But we'll, we'll leave him with the one. We'll leave him with the one. <laughs> oh, because of how poorly he's treated by the movie. Right, right. Like, he does have a point. Like, he should be getting his movie passes, and I wouldn't trust him to give him the next day. Well, yeah, he's just like, he's like, I want movie passes uh, so I can use them for the premiere. And they're like, well, that's just not going to work. You dummy. <laughs> you, you know that's not going to work, right? <laughs> and and you know Pete's in love with Caitlin. That's why she has the passes. Fall in love with Pete. Maybe you'll get some premiere passes. Well, now that's a plan. That's the sequel to this movie. It's the end credit scene. <laughs> so Pete goes to fix his problem, but then, apart from that, Brian and Karen have figured out that the Phantom is now Meryl because there is a Midnight Madness trailer playing over and over again in one of the theaters. So they go up to the projections booth to talk to Meryl to accuse him of it, especially Brian. But while this is happening... Everybody looks down to the theater and sees the black hooded figure once again setting something up in the theater. He's setting up a fog machine here. Right. They come up with the accusation that, oh, it's got to be Meryl because something's projecting. (laughs) Which is like we've watched projectors do something multiple times (laughs) in this movie. And it's not anything creepy like I thought it was at first, but it was like, nope, it's just the trailer for the movie. It's not like a threat. I, I do want to say, though, they make a big deal about how they have to clear like the hallways after the fire alarm incident because the movie premiere is starting. If your theater is having this big movie premiere, why are you having a bunch of movie showings before right. it? You just wouldn't be doing that. Yeah, especially ones that ended, like, 10 minutes before you have to open to the premiere. Right, like, I don't know, it's confusing. Well, it's like the, the red carpet thing is the confusing part. Like, if you're, if you're having this big red carpet thing, everything else should be gone. Not happening. Should not be happening. Like, I've been to midnight premieres before of movies. Mm-hmm. I think three, but I cannot remember the third movie. <laughs> But, like, obviously movies are still happening around it. Mm -hmm. But you're not doing this, like, big red carpet thing. The actors aren't coming. Right. The actors aren't coming. Not for the ones I went to. Yeah. Um, And it's just, like, it's weird. It's confusing. Like, it's, It's it's like, such a big deal. Like, why don't we just, like, not have any other movies play past 10 o'clock? Yeah. Like, even, yeah, even if you're not going to do the whole day, maybe, like, we're a couple spend, hours yeah. before. We spend a little more time working <laughs> before movies start coming. Yeah, yeah. So Pete and his siblings go down to the theater. Um, but since what's happening to all the theaters is matching the movies playing, uh, they're like, we... But we don't know the plot of Midnight Madness because they're keeping it top secret. And then Brian's like, uh, you dummy, just use one of the spoiler sites online to go figure out the plot. And they do. 
they're joined by Caitlin and her friend for some reason. They appear. There's no conversation before that. Yeah, they're just kind of there. And there won't be. I don't. I can't actually tell you if Caitlin said anything in this movie. Caitlin talks when they have that conversation in the theater and like she gets um, Pete's bow tie. There's some like heavy, heavy flirting going on there. It's like very strong. Right. When he's being a creepy. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, especially when he needs that bow tie for his job. Uh Um, But yeah, after that, she doesn't talk. I don't think. She, I don't, I don't think she talks the rest of the movie. To be quite honest with you, even when there's the thing at the end, and the friend definitely doesn't ever speak. No, 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 unimportant. <laughs> um, so they're joined by them. They go into Sean's office to use the computer to go to the spoiler site. But when they close the door, they find Sean tied up, hanging from his door, and handcuffed and blindfolded. I said I remembered another scene later on in this movie. Yeah. It is him on the door, <laughs> tied up. I remember something in the corner of the room scaring everybody in the movie, and it was that. I was about to say, really, were you spooked by it? Yeah. yeah. I, think, I think that was probably maybe the leading cause of the spook. Because it's not, like, it's weird. It's kind of spooky. It's definitely weird to find, like, a guy. He's not hanging, but he's hanging. Right. Yeah, he's like, if this is, like, not a Disney Channel original movie, he's hanging. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, But, yeah, they find him. They get let him free. But at this point, Mr. Niedermeyer is arriving now. So the, everybody's trying to act like everything is perfect. Everybody here meets everybody. They meet the director for the movie. Um, I think his name's Tyler or something at that point. But what happens here is they're meeting everybody. And a balloon string, there's a balloon drop above the entrance to the theater. And when there's a string that comes down and Lucy's like, oh, I'll pull that down for you. And when she pulls it, the balloon drop falls. But what's in the balloons is a bunch of water balloons. And they hit everybody. Yeah. Can we talk about this ending of the movie real quick that they, that they Google and find? Uh, yeah, yeah, because that's coming up next, yeah. Okay, okay, so that's next, and then we'll continue on. Well, yeah, you can, you, do you want to explain what happens? Right, okay, so um, while they're in the room, Brian, the Brad guy is looking up. Um, <laughs> it's not as cool when I say. No, 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 it's like, it kind of seems forced. She yeah. just said, like, like that's Brad guy, come on, yeah, everybody knows. Like, I, gotta go with, I gotta go set up the Brad guy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I appreciate you trying, though. All right, um. But he looks up and finds out that the end of the movie ends with the monster getting all of the students into the auditorium and he sucks the air out of the theater. I have two things here. One is that did the writers of this movie accidentally mix up the movies here? Because you would think, well, there's another movie that's referenced in this movie called University of Death, <laughs> which that ending kind of uh, fits everything a lot more. Yeah, definitely. And my Although, is thing, it a dinosaur, though, that traps them? 
They got dinosaur pigs. Yeah, it says monster. He turns into a monster. Okay, okay. And then my other thing is, what is the darkest thing they can actually put here? Is it really the mo- <laughs> he turns into a monster and sucks the air out of the auditorium? Because that implies a massacre. That implies massacre, but there's no physical connection. Like, there's no fist hitting a face. There's no right. stabbing. There's no nothing. It's, oh, there's just no more oxygen left in this room. Right. Like, could a decon be like, he got all the students in the auditorium and set it on fire? Like, and he ate them. And he ate them. <laughs> That's pending. Like, what's the darkest thing they can put in here? I don't know. Makes you think. How dark can think. we get with the decom that we write? Yeah, I mean, we just talked about it. It's like we had a guy hanging from a door. Right. It's like they wanted to do a little more horror stuff in this movie, but they just, they weren't allowed to. That's my thing with this movie. It's like, I love the idea of a movie completely taking place in a movie theater. Oh, it's a great idea. Yeah. They can pull it off almost as really as well as you'd expect a decom <laughs> to be able to pull it off. Yeah. But like a horror movie set in a movie theater is something that's a really good idea. I feel like it has to have been done before. Maybe, maybe. So yeah, they they find out the plot to the movie. This is Brian and Karen. They're on the internet in Sean's office, but so they read that, and then as they leave the office, Karen finds finds a key on the ground. Um, we then go to Sean and Pete. They're talking to uh the owner of the building, Mr. Niedermeyer, and they learn that the big dinosaur on the roof is not there anymore, which it was there earlier in the day. Then the talent agent, Mrs. Hicks, says she's going to make everybody leave unless doors open right now. Uh, Sean then goes outside. (laughs) And here's when we get the Mickey Rooney song about Hollywood. (laughs) And my favorite thing about this is usually in these like Disney movies and Disney shows, they get they try to get like a young actor to sing because they like to push them into this career of singing and all. But in this movie, they're like, nah. Screw it. We got Mickey Rooney. We're going to make him sing. It's the best thing. (laughs) It's the most entertaining thing we've come across. It's so funny. It's so funny. It's so good. He's getting the crowd hyped. He's Um, like, he he tells Sean, he's like, I'm doing your job for you. I love it. I, it's just, it's, it's everything. Like, it almost feels like they were like, it feels like they're doing this movie, and Mickey Rooney goes, like, do you guys want me to sing? <laughs> and if he says that, you absolutely 100% say yes. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I, I got a little ditty prepared for y'all. I mean, it absolutely falls right in your lap of something so golden, and it is just done, so it's so great. <laughs> and, and now knowing that he was in... Life's a happy song, and he sang there. It makes the scene so much better. <laughs> Everything connects. Uh, but yeah, so they go outside, and Movie Mason is performing this wonderful song. And But Sean's like, he's ruining the vibe. He's like, 
I told you to leave the theater. What are you doing? But luckily, one of the actresses from the movies, her name is Madison Ashley Metz. She leaves the limo and she's like, you need to stop because Movie Mason is my escort for the evening. And then Movie Mason's like, yeah, she grew up here. She was basically born on this theater, dummy. She was born here and I live here. You live here? I No, <laughs> no. I didn't say that. I didn't say, who said that? You said that. Don't put words in my mouth. I, I am a senile old man. You Please don't <laughs> kick me out. <laughs> I got nowhere else to go. Uh, but yeah, so uh, she saves the day for movie Mason. The kid's parents then arrive as the dino being stolen thing is connected to the key that Karen found on the ground because it is the key to the roof. So they all go up to the roof where they are captured by the phantom. They are thrown a cover over them and they are tied up together. After that, oh. Feels pretty escapable for the four foot tall kid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like they, they come up with this whole contrived plan that I really don't understand of them like walking over to like a pipe and shimmying out. Right. I don't I, get why the pipe was important. I wish I could watch that scene being filmed because you know it was like a hand in a black sheet with some rope tied around, and it was just, like, moving it into the pipe to try and get it untied. Like, it's just <laughs> someone's hand. Has I, didn't even, I didn't even see him tie the rope around, like, untie the rope from the pipe. I didn't get that part. Right, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's really bizarre, but it just, it feels very easy to defeat as a four-foot-tall child, considering it's not a very tightly <laughs> made <laughs> rope. It's not, he was definitely not a Boy Scout. And also, Pete is tall. So wherever that rope is tied for Pete, you can just slither out. Also, like, you could definitely just pull the hood off. (laughs) There's there's a lot of solutions to this. There's so many, and they go with the weirdest one. Yeah, yeah. Um, You you talk about (laughs) a lot of, like, DCOM returnees when we do this. There is a DCOM Easter egg in this next scene. Did you notice it? Oh, yeah, I noticed it. I'm sorry, because I was excited I found it. So the next scene, the parents are like trying to find the kids some more. And they're and I think the mom's like, wow, I saw Katie Seagal and LeVar Burton. Right. Which of course Katie Seagal was in Smart House. LeVar Burton directed. I need your help here. Smart House. Smart. They're both smart house. I, I didn't even connect that. I didn't think you were actually... When you said it, I didn't think you were going to get both of them, uh, which is impressive. But, yeah, they're both Smart House references. <laughs> it's good. It's, I feel like that was really just written for us. It's just and like, not, yeah, it's not a great big Easter egg. It's just something they shout. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the and only it, line you hear. And it's like... I don't, it's like if you watched in consecutive, because if you're just watching this when they were coming out, you probably don't notice it. You don't know who directed Smart House. And you yeah, no maybe, one know, yeah, you could definitely you maybe know remember LeVar Burton. Like LeVar Burton's a, notice, a notable name that you hear. Mm-hmm. But um, like, you're not like, oh, you directed Smart House. Like, not <laughs> if you're a kid. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I, that, that was written for us. No, yeah, absolutely written for us. It's, it's, it's like in horse sense when he turns on the TV and Brink is playing in the background. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's exactly that. Yeah, 
Um, yeah, so that, that happens. Uh, the kids escape from the roof. Uh, after that, the director, Tyler Jesse Man, <laughs> then introduces the movie. But uh, while this is happening, a big in, the big inflatable dino that was on the roof earlier comes down from the second level of this theater. And I'm going to call it, they, it attacks everybody. Um, basically, the inflatable just falls on them. Uh, and people try to escape this theater, but as they leave, the exits are blocked by even more animal inflatables. This, like, this whole scene in this part of the theater is filmed in, like, I think, like, a real, it has to be, like, a real theater theater. Yeah, it's, like, you you got your two stories. Yeah, and, like, just all that room for that inflatable thing to come <laughs> over the edge. So My, oh. No, it's just weird to think, like, that was not filmed with everything else. Like, they did a whole <laughs> casting call, and they did a whole shoot day in a real theater where they dropped <laughs> a giant inflatable uh, dinosaur, along with two more inflatable things, onto a crowd of people. Like, that, just thinking about it is insane. Yeah, yeah. I think the I think one of the weirder things about this is, there's this whole movie premiere happening and the whole second level is empty enough for a big inflatable dinosaur to be brought up yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Um, but oh, I already said the kids escape. The kids escape, whatever. Um, they see they go down the theater, they see what is happening. So Mason is also here at the same time. He's like, Boy, do I have the plan for you. He then helps um, Pete go get the sword from the stone with help from Merrill? Projector it. guy. Uh, he, <laughs> You've gotten the name. <laughs> I was going to say Merlin. Sword, you know. <laughs> because it's the Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, he turns off the switch to allow the sword to come out. And then... Um, this leads to Pete jumping from the second level of the theater onto this inflatable with the sword, and he keeps stabbing this inflatable to stop it. It's amazing. This kid does not get paid enough. No. So he jumps there, the inflatable deflates. Uh, one of the kids then sees the phantom like peering out from behind the movie screen, and him and Pete do this big shadow fight scene from behind the movie screen, which is pretty cool. My favorite part is he just hands the sword off to some random guy and is like, all right, you go stab the other inflatable things. <laughs> Instead of taking the sword to fight the criminal. We can't commit murder in a decom. <laughs> we can only insinuate it. <laughs> it's heavily attempted in the early ones. <laughs> yeah, it's heavily attempted in the earlier ones and implied in the rest of them. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, they Gilbert drives a car into a crowd of people in the first movie. Uh, yeah, yeah, and nobody died though. <laughs> you you can't just be like, oh, that guy got stabbed, and like not assume he didn't die. I guess I it's don't know. Not a sharp. It's not a sharp sword. He can just like beat him with it. I don't know. I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't think they want to get into the legality of it in these decoms. Um, but while they're fighting, the ro- they 
there's a rope back behind the screen. They rope th- swing through the screen. They land onto one of the inflatables. And then Pete pulls the mask off Scooby-Doo style. And the Phantom of the Megaplex turns out to be Sean. Because all he wanted to be was noticed by Mr. Niedermeyer. Because of the whole like general manager situation. I don't really care about the rest of this movie. Unless you have something. But um, I do, like, do want to get into something... I want to talk about this villain. Yeah, can I? You mean just yeah, just do whatever like you think is important here. I'm I'm gonna hit off the plot points that happen after this. Um, Sean is fired from the theater. Everybody celebrates. George George proposes to the mom like we care at all. She says yes. Pete is offered the senior manager job, but says no because he wants to live life. That was a lesson he learned from his siblings. Uh, him and Caitlin are together now. He does the little. Uh, arm around her even though they don't speak a word to each other after this um everybody stays to go watch the premiere even the siblings because the mom's like and peter like family time hooray and then as uh brian walks into the theater mason is greeting guests and brian's like i mean brian's not like uh movie mason's like yeah i never believed in the phantom of the megaplex but i did believe in the werewolf of the megaplex and then a wolf howls and the movie ends uh, the only thing I want to say before it, um, I really thought Pete should propose to Caitlin here as well. I think he would have gotten a yes. Um, you can't say no. You might. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it would have been a good move. I think the only other thing to note is like as they're leaving the theater with um, Sean, Mr. Niedermeyer goes, I'm not going to be arresting you right now <laughs> um, which is like why well, like you can't there was a <laughs> you're not a uh, an officer of the law <laughs> so one you can't and two why he's a criminal <laughs> like yeah <laughs> and then he gets offered a movie deal. Uh, yeah irrelevant though irrelevant but i do think we need to get into this um villain because it borderline makes zero sense it makes slight sense what they try to piece together, but I get what you're saying. Go on. So, like, over the course of this, like, we'll watch him do some chaotic stuff, but we'll also watch... He's also going to get tied up twice? <laughs> my my one... Yeah. I wrote a note about it. I'm like, I really want to see the footage of Sean hanging himself from the door blindfolding himself, tying himself up as well, and also putting handcuffs on him at the same time. Right. Like, yeah, like that, like, it doesn't make sense, like, why is he just going to, like, place himself tied up in spots? Like, that doesn't make sense. And then there's, a like, a point later that, like, I didn't realize until the podcast, but, like, he's outside talking to Merlin, to Merlin, uh, movie Mason. Yeah. While the kids are up on top of the roof, also being tied up. Yeah, yeah, that's weird. Legitimately in two places at the same time. I I thought about um, I'm like, he's probably like running up and down these stairs, and like, it's one of those like scenes. My mind goes like big time rush, where. They have to take off the disguise, put on the disguise. It's, you got the sound effects playing in the background. It's the it's the two da- it's the classic two dates for one dance. 
it's it's the three dates from one dance from Big Time Rush, Carlos and the Jennifers, <laughs> and like and as the time goes on, the disguise gets less and less. Right, and then one the time, actual thing, and then one time they wear the wrong they were in the wrong disguise. They, yeah, Sean appears time, on the roof, yeah. and the fan of the megaplex is downstairs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so there's just so many plot holes that are very clearly, like, huh. What? There's plot holes. I think his motivation does make sense, though. His motivation is fine, I guess. I don't, like, his sabotaging is weird. Is like, just running, like, uh, a video that he made in whatever version of Photoshop there was back in the day. Just running that on repeat or, like, constantly <laughs> turning off the lights like Nosferatu. <laughs> Who, fun fact, uh, to call back to the last podcast, is the first vampire. Oh, okay. Nosferatu. Um, okay. Who turned, like, the, it's a interesting story where the guy who played Nosferatu started to think he was a vampire. Yikes. But, um, that's not the point. Like, <laughs> another story for another day. <laughs> another day. But there's just so much, like, like, hey, that really doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> to be quite honest with you, I I wrote in my notes at one point because I thought I was being smart and I guessed who the fan was going to be. Because my first thought went to Mason because as Mason was like kicked out of the theater, it kind of had that vibe of like, I'll get my revenge. Yeah, yeah. So I I went into it pretty confident that like, I was like, I'm pretty sure I remember it being the the movie dude like sean yeah and but then like the first time he was tied up i was like oh i guess i guess it wasn't him and then mm-hmm. it was like and then it was kind of just like it kind of has to be yeah it that it made the most sense right like in that gap of time it was just like oh it, yeah i it feels like it's him <laughs> meryl never made sense as the phantom either meryl doesn't make sense like no one no one really makes sense. Because you don't, like, they, like, if you, there's a whole, like, C-plot to this movie. <laughs> that doesn't need to happen where you could take some of that time and throw it into the story. Yeah. But here we are, so. Yeah, here we are. And um, you've got nothing else to say about it. Uh, I was going to say Nosferatu, but his name's Sean. <laughs> um, <laughs> we can go on the rank. <laughs> yeah, let's let's do this. Um, do you have any idea on your list? Because I'm living life clue. on the edge again. Not a not a... Okay, let's start with this question. I just um, want to rank it. <laughs> I, I, I'm getting to that point where I'm like, this is, it's not pointless to rank them, but. I don't think it's, I, I think it's movie specific. Like, yeah. we, like, last week it was a good movie and, you know, we were pretty able to put it at the top. This movie, I don't, you know, I don't know. I feel like, if anything, it's higher up on the list. I think, yeah. I mean, it's like, you scared me once again, not on purpose, of course. But you said, like, oh, it's a real Halloween movie next week. And I'm like, oh, boy, one of these. And we talked about it last week. 
how we enjoyed how uh, mom mom's got a date with a vampire. Was it? It was like a Halloween movie, but it wasn't a Halloween movie at the same time. And this one also didn't fall into that trap. Yeah, I think of the two, like they're much looser Halloween movies than like Don't Look Under the Bed and Halloween Town. So, like outside of Halloween Town, it seems like their Halloween movies are actually kind of pretty bearable. I guess like uh, under Under Wraps was a very Halloween Halloween movie. Yeah. But, but it's like, like I, uh, if they're just on the spookier side, yeah, <laughs> then it's bearable. Yeah, um, but I mean, like, there's always something happening in this movie. I think it's pretty like, there's a lot of funny interactions. It's an easy watch. It's a good watch. Um, it's one of my favorite ones. When you've done, maybe it's just because yeah. I love the movies in front of so much. It's like, like this movie's good at two things. One that like matters to like how movies actually are, but like this movie was a good movie to watch, but also it was fun to make fun of, which I appreciate. Yeah, yeah, that was a good part of it, just being like, like there's a lot to talk about, and there was there was structure to it. It absolutely falls off in the end when it's like. <laughs> All right, now this is the bad guy. We're gonna explain none of how we got here. Enjoy the movie. Here's a little bit of here's a little bit of action, and here's the reveal. Yeah, and it's just like, oh, um, well, well, now that didn't make sense. It's like, also, I didn't care. Whatever, I don't care about Sean. Uh, so I think I kind of actually do know where I'm gonna put this. Tell me where you're gonna put it. I'm gonna put it. Hold on. <laughs> uh oh. Uh oh. He's got to do the math. He's got to do the math. I'm going to put it 12. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. Right. Uh, I don't know if that's an oh, well, okay, no matter what, I'm going to So it's going above. I, I was expecting it to go higher for you. It's going above Alley Cat Strike, and it's going below Rip Girl. Interesting. It kind of, it is kind of in the same vein of Alley Cat Strike, of just like it's, Going, 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 going. Mm-hmm. Remember that movie, like you just couldn't take a breath. <laughs> yeah, this one is like there's always something happening, but sometimes it's a little bit too much. Where you have that small break whenever the parents are on screen that you're like, okay, I can catch up here. <laughs> um, take a deep breath. But the the ending, the ending's gonna knock it down any further than like. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, yeah, it's, no, I'll give like, you that. It's physically not possible how this movie finishes. Uh, uh no, I'll give you that. I was originally going to put it up higher on my list because I thought it was like, because like it was entertaining. But now that you've said what you've said, what the heck was ready to run? <laughs> uh, Sinbad. The horse movie, but not horse sense. Um, I think I might have to put this one between the two horse movies at 11. Which is after Horse Sense and in front of Ready to Run. Our lists are like, there's, there's like, they're very different, I feel. Outside of like the top three are all the same, I think. Yeah, around. Yeah, they're they're very different. I do feel like this one, oh, sorry. 
I wasn't either. <laughs> um, I do feel like this one's going to be up higher on my personal list just because it was a fun movie to watch. Yeah. Oh, but I think it's my favorite movie. Yeah. But um, in terms... <laughs> Shout out Horse Sense. Um, but you do have some points that like things don't make sense at some points even if it was fun. Yeah, I mean, that's what I, I gotta say. I think you need like one more character in this movie. Yeah, or just another villain. <laughs> right. <laughs> make the villain completely separate or like make a slightly more adult centric like what if the the sitter lady uh the one that just yells at them for like two minutes and is like sit down in your seat don't get out the grandma yeah yeah oh i thought we were talking about the sitter from uh vampire i get these confused too many movies continue right like what if what if like one of the three other adults that work in this one of the three adults that work in this movie theater was was like slightly more responsible and around. So like maybe she's she's dealing with some stuff, or even like have have like needle needle miser, uh, have the heat miser yell <laughs> at Mickey Rooney. Yeah, I f- I feel like the owner actually would pretty be a one of the better choices right he's if, got that vibe to him if he's like if he comes in and is like why are you singing right now and then it's like like that's understandable like you know like but it's it's just like it's missing like a little bit more structure mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to make sense no you know like we're not like we're not like we're like you know, it's not as good of a twist as any M. Night Shyamalan movie. Like <laughs> This one was better. I don't know what you're talking about. Screw right, Sixth Sense. <laughs> right, right. Um, I see Mickey Rooney. A, it just needs a little bit to make it better. <laughs> no, I get it. I get it, yeah. Or make sense. Yeah, it's just I, Sean was most certainly not the right choice. No. So, mine's going 12, yours going 11. Yeah. And then my personal list will be somewhere if. Do we, we have a motivational speech in this movie? No. When Mickey Rooney is talking to them about uh movies, about movies, and he says uh he has the Wizard of Oz reference. I didn't know it was the Wizard of Oz reference. I kind of zoned out after a while. To <laughs> be quite honest with you. Uh <laughs> <laughs> be honest if i even heard the reference i probably wouldn't have noticed it i it's like it's i think it's pretty like normal for wizard of oz references yeah i don't i definitely just i use some of these to speed up the process of watching these movies and it's like okay this isn't that important i'm gonna catch up on my notes here so yeah. during this like three minute Mickey Rooney speech, I'm like, I, I feel like I've already heard this one before. Just gonna let it be. All right. I'm just gonna put it number two on the speech list and just I'm just gonna put Mickey Rooney. We know. 
just <laughs> all of him in this movie. Yeah, no, movie. I agree. And I'd put him first, but the first is the congressman's speech from Color Friendship. I forgot about that. And that, that doesn't feel passable. <laughs> Legally, we go. Our love for Mickey Rooney cannot uh, pass Congress. <laughs> cannot pass Congress. You heard it here. <laughs> We're, not in our, We're not in the right uh, legal jurisdiction to do that. <laughs> All right. Let's end you have anything part. else? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever else you get your podcasts through our Anchor FM link in the description. Make sure you follow us on whichever podcast that you prefer in order to never miss an episode. And also, make sure you rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts, no matter how you feel about it, pod. Leave us a comment. Let us know how you feel. Um, You can also follow us on Twitter at UnofficialDCOM for podcast updates and more. And you can email us at UnofficialDCOM at gmail.com if you have any questions you want answered thoughts or you just want to hit us up there are new episodes every thursday and next week join us when we do the christmas movie what the ultimate christmas present not xenon the sequel although i'm very excited for that in two weeks (laughs) that's what i'm saying let's just skip this one and do the ultimate christmas movie no wait let's just skip (laughs) yep yep we'll do the ultimate christmas movie i love your thought process i almost had him We have some great ones coming up. That's why you guys need to share the podcast. We'd appreciate it. We'd appreciate it. Uh, Tell your uh, friends. Tweet about how great it is. (laughs) Rate us five stars. Yeah, even if you hate it, rate us five stars. It helps us out. Right, absolutely. You know, Uh, if you hate it, you know. uh, But yeah, I'm going to go watch Mickey Rooney in the 2011 Muppets movie now. I'm going to go not. That's a shame. No, I won't. Thank goodness. See you guys next week. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.